Well, good morning, everyone. I am really pleased that you could be with us this morning. Whether it's your first time or your umpteenth time with us, it just wouldn't be the same without you. So thank you for joining us this morning. I trust you're all well and bearing up uh, under the lockdown restrictions. Uh, keep remembering that spring is just around the corner. It's evident in our garden, I don't know about you, but we've got some little bulbs coming up amongst all the other stuff that's in our garden, and there is a lot of stuff in our garden. So today we're on talk number five of our six-talk study in 2 Timothy. Uh, the second letter written to Timothy from Paul, whilst Paul was in prison in Rome, really awaiting his execution. Uh, this letter to Timothy, as others have previously said, has a sense of a spiritual father talking to a spiritual son. There was a really deep relationship between Paul and Timothy. And uh, you will no doubt have gathered from the previous talks that 2 Timothy is full of sound teaching, full of encouragement, firstly for Timothy, but also very relevant for us today to help us live out our earthly lives for the glory of God and for the extension of God's incredible kingdom. And so that we will be the people of God, the people God has called us to be, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and our minds fixed on God's word. I don't know if you can remember five weeks ago, I struggle to remember five minutes ago, but five weeks ago, Paul Davison, now I use his surname because I don't want you to mistake him or mix him up with the Apostle Paul. So Paul Davison spoke to us and gave us an introduction to 2 Timothy. And he was saying about us not being passive with the gifts that God has given us, but be proactive, go forward in what God has given us. Don't be passive. The gifts God has given us are important. We must do the things, read the things, say the things, learn the things that increase our faith in God and the gifts that he has given us. Uh, Graham then spoke to us about not being ashamed of the gospel because it's the good news for the whole world, not just for you and me, but for the whole world. But it does mean that it's the good news for you, it's the good news for me, it's the good news for our neighbours, it's the good news for everyone. And Jesus is good news. And as those people that are supposed to represent Jesus, guess what? We're supposed to be good news. I trust your good news to your neighbour. Now, we've had a bit of work being done outside our house at the moment. I think I have a bit of work to do with my neighbours to make sure that we're still going to be good news in a few days' time. But we need to be good news. We have something to be positive about. We have something in amongst everything going on. We have Jesus. It's good news. Mike then. And a light to our path. The word of God is alive and active and extremely powerful. But it will only do us good if we take time to read it, digest what God is saying to us through his written word. I was left with the line that Mike quoted. He said this, if you get to the end of the year and your Bible is falling apart, you won't be. I like that. I like those pithy little sayings that you can remember. And it's absolutely true. You won't be falling apart if you've read your Bible so much that it is falling apart. And last week, Steve reminded us to stick to the truth. Avoid false teaching. 
you know there are some very interesting and some very good things floating around on the internet. But there's also masses of false information and false teaching. That's why you need to know the book. You need to know this book, your Bible, so that you can discern between right and wrong. And remember, always focus on the right more than you do looking to see what's wrong. Some people spend a lot of time looking at what's wrong and going, oh, it's terribly wrong. And they'll give you, write your thesis on what's wrong. Tell you what, you need to write the thesis on what's right. What's right? I don't know, you probably know this, how the bank uh, trains uh, cashiers on the counter staff to spot forgeries and counterfeit notes. They get the cashiers to handle hundreds and thousands of ordinary notes, proper notes. And then when a forgery comes along, it feels different. They can just feel it's different. Why? Because they know what the real thing feels like. You see, if you immerse yourself in God, in the Word of God, and you immerse yourself in Him, you will know when a forgery comes along. You'll know when something that isn't the truth comes along. It will feel wrong. It will feel wrong in your spirit. Something will say to you, this is wrong. So we need to stay right. Keep Keep, uh, keep into the truth of God. Now, before we look at our scripture verses this morning, I want to read you this quote I found. Now, <clears throat> it's a fairly stern quote, but I think you'll like it. I think you'll get the gist of it. It says this, Despite what you may hear from many preachers, God's number one priority is not to make you feel good, not through health, wealth or any other worldly means more than anything else he wants to make you like his son his desire is not to make you comfortable it's to help you grow up and I've never heard anyone say that growing up is easy you see Paul didn't write this letter to Timothy to make him feel good it wasn't, you know what, Timothy, everything is going to be absolutely okay. You just get that feel-good factor. By the way, you're going to be very wealthy. By the way, you, you know, you're going to have a nice wife. You're going to have 20 kids. You get, it's all going to be for you. No, Paul said, hey, this is what you've got to do, Timothy. Now you're a soldier. Now, you, now you're working for Jesus. It was written so that Timothy would become mature in his faith. So this morning, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, but majoring on really the first seven verses. So let's read 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer similarly anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. 
Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This passage that we've just read has three major parts. It starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. And Timothy getting his strength from the grace to be found in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is always the important one. You always start with Jesus. If you start anywhere else, you end up in trouble. But Paul starts, he says, Timothy, first of all, remember who Jesus is and what you get from Jesus, what he gives you so freely. And then Paul says, but there there are some things you need to do, Timothy. Okay, I want you to notice that. It's really important. Jesus says, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is what I'm going to give you. And then he says, now, because of that, you need to do something. Okay, so this is not passive. Timothy, there's something for Timothy to do. Four things he has to do. And then we find from verse 7 to 13, it's once again all about Jesus. I call it really a God club sandwich. Okay, you've got bread either side, you've got Jesus either side, and you have these four things that Timothy needs to do in the middle. It's a very rich sandwich, it's not just an ordinary sandwich, this is a club sandwich, this is one that, you know, it's about that wide, it's, it's great. It's the sort that I like when we go out, and Sally says, would you like a sandwich? And I go, yeah, one like that would be fantastic. As you can see, I've had one too many of those. So we see that Paul is really trying to get, convey something very, very important to Timothy. So let's dig a little deeper into these things. Point number one, in verse one, Paul encourages Timothy to be strong, not in himself, because as been previously said, Timothy was not physically strong. He seemed to have quite a weak constitution. The only way Paul could encourage Timothy to be strong was through Jesus and in Jesus. Now, you need to know this. Timothy didn't deserve strength. He hadn't earned strength. He was relying on God's unmerited favour, on the grace of Jesus Christ, on God's grace to give him strength. And he needed that strength to fulfil the tasks that God had for him. I found this definition of biblical grace. Grace is the love and mercy given to us by God because God desires us to have it. I like that, because God desires us to have it. And not because of anything we've done to earn it. And grace is not a created substance of any kind. It is an attribute of God. Don't you like that? I love that. God has a desire to give us grace. God's grace is not something we have to kind of drag out of him. He desires to give it to us. So Paul says with confidence that Timothy will find strength in the grace 
given by Jesus. See, it's impossible for us to live life for Jesus on our own and in our own strength. Timothy couldn't do that. Always remember we're totally dependent and reliant on the grace and strength we find in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Paul moves on to things that he encourages Timothy to do. You see, when we've received the grace of God, it's not something we kind of wallow in and go, well, that's it, got the grace of God, fantastic. Feel really strong in God, fantastic. Paul then says to him, now there's something you need to do, Timothy. Let me tell you some things you need to be. And you can be them because of the grace and the strength you have found in Jesus Christ. So he says this, first of all, Point number two, be a strong teacher. This new strength that Timothy has, one of the things he needs to do with it is to teach others, to teach others, and to teach those who will teach others. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, you need to be a teacher of teachers. Now, why does he need to be that? Well, it's so that the gospel, this good news, will spread exponentially. It will grow and grow and grow. Why? It's going far further than if Paul and Timothy just did their own thing. So Timothy's encouraged, go teach people who will teach them. Teach it to reliable men who will go and teach others. Timothy, be a teacher of teachers. Paul's teaching, you see, hadn't taken place in some little quiet corner that only a few people heard about it. When he preached, he preached in front of loads of people and his teaching was authentic, it was from God. And Timothy could rely on that. This teaching is from God, I know it's from God. And Timothy is encouraged to go forward in the strength and the grace that God has given. So teach other people. How do we do that? Does that mean we all got to stand up and preach? No, of course it doesn't. We teach just by living our lives. We teach in our families. We teach our children. We teach people by example. We live a life that teaches, don't we? Teaching isn't just about spouting off and speaking out. Teaching, we teach through so many ways. Are we teaching? Are we teaching our neighbours what it is to be good neighbours? Are we teaching our friends what it is to be good friends? Are we showing the love of Jesus? We need to. That's how we need to teach. And then Paul says to Timothy, point three, be a strong soldier. Be a strong soldier. You know, I've read several books, uh, you know, on war and stuff. I guess we all have over time. And what you tend to find is there's a special bond between soldiers who are on the battlefield together, when they're in some tough places together. And Paul invites Timothy to join him as a soldier. You see, sometimes we think Christianity is kind of, we're saved, feet up. No. Paul says, actually, you're saved, you're a soldier. Okay, now let's do some battle. Let's get going. Let's do some stuff. Let's get into the places where it's going to be tough and hard going. Let's go for it, Timothy. He's encouraging Timothy. Come on, Timothy, be a soldier. We might be miles and miles apart, but I want you to stand with me shoulder to shoulder. Let's see this thing work. Let's see the gospel go forward. Let's see this this world taken for Jesus. They were trailblazing these guys. Hey, how incredible. So Paul invites Timothy, come on, Timothy, be a soldier. You see, one thing you don't want to do in the heat of the battle is lose focus on what you're trying to do. So Paul says to Timothy, you've got to be a soldier. You've got to keep focused. 
You've got to remain fixed on what you're doing. See, good soldiers aren't distracted by the stock market, by entertainment, by sports, by politics. A good soldier remains focused on the victory. He has a job to do. There's something to be done. I want to encourage us, let's be good soldiers. Sounds tough, but I tell you what, being a soldier is also you get that incredible companionship and that sense of togetherness. There's something special about being soldiers of Jesus together. And then point four, Paul says to Timothy, be a strong athlete. Now back in Paul's day, an athlete would have to swear on oath to commit themselves to arduous training for 10 months before they're allowed to take part in competitions. Well, that's tough going, isn't it? Failure to train led to disqualification. So unless you trained, hey, you couldn't compete. And failure to compete by the rules would be punished by various penalties. So you had to train to compete, then you had to obey the rules. You see, I want to say this now, being a Christian is not like a free-for-all. Sometimes there's misconceptions that we become a Christian, we do what we like, well, because we are living in the grace of God. Now, I've just said at the beginning, God's grace isn't so we can do what we want. God's grace is given to us so we can do what he calls us to do. So we can be the people he calls us to be. Being a Christian is not a free-for-all. It's not doing what you want when you want. The Bible is a book and it's a guidebook for us. It's a living book. And it says, and by the way, this is how you live by the rules. There's some rules in here. We think there's no rules because we're living under relationship and grace. Can I tell you, there are rules. I'll tell you this, there's rules in every family. If you're part of a family, you've got rules in your family, don't you? You see, and we're, we're, we're told to be good athletes so that we can win the prize. Not just so we can win the prize, but so we can lead others to win the prize. Isn't that great? We can all be prize winners. That's good. I haven't experienced too much of that through my athletic career. Um, you see, we don't want to be disqualified, do we? By, what, uh, by, not, by not living by the rules, by not doing what Jesus tells us to do. And the third thing he talks about, sorry, the point five he talks about is a strong, hard-working farmer. Sounds a bit of a, but how do you get soldier, athlete, farmer? How do you get farmer in there? Well, what does a good farmer need to be? Well, he needs to be consistent for a start. He has to do things at the right time. If he's, a, if he's got a, a milking herd of cows, he has to get up at five every morning. He has to milk them. He has to put them out in the fields. He has to bring them in at night. He has to milk them at, I don't know, four o'clock in the afternoon. He has to do that 365 days a year. He has to be consistent with what he's doing. He needs to be patient because he, 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 he throws his crop in the ground, his seeds in the ground, and then he's dependent on so many things outside of his control for those things to grow. You know that? He can't, he can't have control over everything. I think Paul said, Timothy, Timothy, there are things that you do you won't have control over. You just have to, you just have to sow with faith. Sow with faith. That's what the farmer does. And then even when the farmer gets his crop, he doesn't know how much is going to come up. You know, you, some might 30 times, 60 times, he doesn't know. There's lots of unknown in farming. I spent most of my early 
working days as a builder doing construction on farms. And I learned quite a bit about farmers because farmers are never, are never shy to tell you how bad things are for them and what things are going wrong. And uh, so I learned quite a bit about farming and the way they have to rely on so many things outside of their control. And actually, when you spend time on a farm, you realise just, just how dependent they are on so many other things coming good. See, Timmy, Timothy had to understand that there was an enormous amount of his calling and his life's work that would be well out of his control. He would sometimes just have to do something, sow something, and wait patiently for God to do what God... Yeah, experience that in your life. If you haven't, I'm pretty much going to guarantee you that you will at some point. You will at some point know what it is to just go, I can't see the end... I can't manage the end. I'm just going to trust God. So in conclusion, do any of these analogies that Paul uses to encourage Timothy seem to lead towards comfort and ease? Not really, do they? Not really. On the contrary, Timothy is well aware that his calling is going to lead to something that's a tough job. It's a tough job. Then in verse 8, Paul goes back to talking about Jesus. So we've had like, Timothy, here's the grace. You need to get your grace and your strength from God. And Timothy, here's what you need to do. And then Paul said, oh, by the way, Jesus and God, they're like this as well. We have some promises and some warnings in these last verses. See, what Paul does, what he says to Timothy is this, do you know, I endure everything for the sake of the gospel. See, the gospel means so much to Paul. He has such a relationship with God that actually he's prepared to sacrifice because of his love for God. And he, has, he says this, if we die with him, we'll live with him. Isn't that good? That's the, that's the eternal promise, isn't it, of being with Jesus. Whatever, we're going to be with Jesus. As Nikki said in, in her interview, which was really powerful, and I appreciate her sharing. You know, Phil said, I'm going to be with Jesus, aren't I? I'm going to see Jesus. See, that's the great thing when we know Jesus. The end of the day, we're going to be with Jesus. Wow. That's a fantastic promise. So if we die, we'll also live with him for eternity. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. Wow, that's a promise, isn't it? Reigning with Jesus. And then he says, if we disown him, and this is what Graham shared um, the other week, if we disown him, he will disown us. We need to be prepared to stand up and say, yeah, we love Jesus. Jesus is our king. And I love this one. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. Aren't you pleased about that? Our faith wavers doesn't it? Our faith goes up and down a bit. Not Jesus' faith, not God's faith. He remains faithful all the time. That's why we're reliant on his faith, not our faith. I would never want to rely on my faith in something. I rely on God's faith. You see, just as Paul was encouraging Timothy to grow and become mature, so I believe God's calling us to be the same. He's calling us to teach others by example. He's calling us to be good soldiers. 
He's calling us to train like athletes. And he's calling us to have patience and fortitude like farmers and all in the strength and in the grace of Jesus Christ. And he's doing that so that we will be all that God has called us to be. Do you know there's a call on all our lives? You know that, don't you? doesn't matter who you are. There's a call on your life. God has a call on you. And he's calling you, actually, right now, he's calling you. He said, I have something for you. I have something for you. And if we want to be all that God has called us to be, we need to listen to those things that we've just talked around. We need to read those chapters again in Timothy and say, God, I want to be the person you've called me to be. I want to keep going. I want to be a good soldier. I want to be like an athlete. I want to train and compete. I want to be patient like a farmer. And we want to be like that so that we can be more like Jesus. Remember that quote I said? God's main aim isn't to make us comfortable. God's main aim is to make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. And he'll do that in whichever way he needs to. So that actually God's kingdom will grow. It will grow on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let's pray.